All right, hey, starting a new book this morning. You guys excited? We're going Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 1. I am excited to, to jump into 1 Samuel. I am, uh, 1 Samuel is a pretty awesome book. If you guys have never dove into it, never studied it, it's a, uh, Right in the heart of the Old Testament, King David uh, just has such great characters that we can learn from. And we're gonna see throughout our theme in First and Second Samuel that uh, it's just, uh, we can learn so many things from, for, um, from these people in this book and just how good God is when we, when we can walk with him. We've been talking in First John about walking with him in the light. And we're gonna kind of see that played out over a few times uh, in First and Second Samuel as we walk through this. It's really a transition period for the Israelites as they go from, uh, from judges over to kings. Oh, oh, that's what I'm saying, man, the enemy. Okay, I just can't, I'm just not gonna move. Is the beard? Do I need to cut my beard? <laughs> Crazy. Okay. We'll try that. Not today, Satan. Anyway, where was I at? Oh, yeah. So it's a transition from uh from judges over to kings. And I'm I'm excited to jump into it this morning, but uh right off the bat here, we're just one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible we're going to cover is, oh, okay. Um, the story of Hannah, right, in chapter one. So um, I think what really gets me excited about the story of Hannah is uh, it's just a, it's a story of a woman going through a hardship. You guys can relate to being somebody who has hardships. Okay, no, just me. Sweet, cool. Glad you guys are doing so well. Um, It's a story of uh, a person going through a hardship and and just how she handles that. And we're gonna see some examples this morning of just Hannah and how she's just an awesome godly woman who uh, we can see just her display, her perseverance, her prayer and her obedience to God. Um through these hardships. And it's just such a great lesson for us to just look at Hannah and go, man, when I get into a place where I'm just going through a trial or I'm just going through a a tough period of time, we can remember how Hannah acted. And we can also see some other knuckleheads in this story along the way that we can use an example of of what not to do when we get into uh, so good. We're just gonna have fun going through 1 Samuel. So we're gonna try to get through all of chapter one today. It's 28 verses, so we'll see what happens. But um, if you're a note taker, um, the first thing we're gonna look at is we just look at uh, some characteristic Hannah displays as she walks through this hardship this morning is uh, number one, perseverance. We're gonna start right in verse one this morning. It says, now there was a certain man of Ramathame, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim. Welcome to the Old Testament, guys. You get to watch me stumble over words I don't know. Um, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, 
the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from the city yearly to worship and sacrifice the Lord, or to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also was the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. We'll see those guys later in 1 Samuel. Um, the priests of the Lord were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all of her sons and daughters. But Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? We're going to stop there. All right. So we see this man, Elkanah, who appears to be a man of God. The first verse goes into kind of his heritage. He was a Levite. Um, definitely knew who God was uh, and appears to be a godly man. We don't have anything otherwise besides this fact that he had two wives. And you go, this is often something that uh, people that oppose the Bible look at and go, well, I don't know, your, you know, your Bible kind of contradicts itself, says, you know, look at all these people who had multiple wives in the Bible. Uh, find me somewhere in the Bible where God is okay with this. Every time we see polygamy or a guy with two wives or a guy divorcing his wife, uh, there's usually strife that comes with it. And this is the situation in this case. Um. But polygamy was something that happened in the Old Testament. Um, but it's, it's, not, it's not a lifestyle that God endorsed. And we have to remember, we look at these, we look at things in the Bible, just because it happened in the Bible doesn't mean that it's representing God. It's often something used. Uh, again, this is our first example of the knucklehead uh, that we're going to definitely see that he's got, he's got, uh, he got problems having two wives. <laughs> Exactly. Um, we even see in Matthew, uh, Jesus says that, yeah, divorce and taking multiple wives may have been something that happened, but uh, that's not what God intended in the beginning. And so as we, we have to acknowledge polygamy happened, but again, it's, it's not something that God endorses here. Um, and again, as we just kind of build some character development here, uh, two wives, one named Hannah, one named Peninnah. Peninnah had children, Hannah had no children. And so it's believed that Elkanah had taken Hannah as a wife first. And kind of once he figured out that Hannah was not able to bear children, uh, 
decided that he needed to carry out his lineage in a different way. Lineage was really important to uh, the culture back then. They even had weird laws in place that if you were to die and you had a brother that your brother did stuff to carry on your lineage, it it got weird. But, you know, again, all man-made stuff that happened um, because these people kind of idolized uh, the thought of carrying out their lineage. And it, it, it got super messy. Where's, can you hit the fan? Yeah, thank you. You know. Um, yeah, so Elkanah takes this wife, and it says El- Elkanah loves his wife, right? It's pretty clear. Elkanah is a man who loves Hannah. It doesn't even really say anything about Peninnah besides that uh, she's there and she's super mean to Hannah. I think before we move forward, uh, as we just look at perseverance, um, I I think there's a message for us here in Elkanah, right, right from the beginning. And just because you're a godly man, you can be blinded. Uh, from sin. His sin was the idolization of his lineage. He was putting that as an idol, putting that above anything else. And and his his idol to have the ability to carry on his legacy really blinded him from seeing the pain that he was causing his wife. I, or maybe he did see that there was something going on. Maybe he did see he was causing pain to his wife. Part of me wants to maybe think that he was giving her double portions because he knew how much pain he was causing her. And maybe it's like, well, here's, you know, have double. This will make up for my sin of the pain I've caused you. But regardless, you can see that just like in us, that uh, sin can just blind us from, from seeing clearly from seeing the truth, from seeing the pain we're causing other people. But Elkanah wasn't, he wasn't going to wait on God. He had the opportunity uh, to be a a godly man. He had the opportunity to go, we're going to put our trust in the Lord. Yeah, I want, I want kids just like you want kids, Anna. And let's, let's pray about that. Let's see what God would have for us. Elkanah put put the situation into his own hands, said, I'm not going to wait on the Lord. I'm not going to trust in the God's plan, in God's timing. I'm going to go out and grab another wife. That'll, that'll fix my problems. Now we see Hannah. As we go through this text, again, childless. Um, and I I know firsthand how painful that can be. I know some of you in this room know how painful it can be to just want that ability to bear a child and, and not have that. It's something my wife and I struggle with, and I know others do. It's, it's a painful thing to go through in itself. But then let's just look at everything else that she had to go through. Your husband gets remarried to what seems like not a very nice lady who, who wants to mock you. Wants to just put you down. 
wants to, it says to make her miserable. And year by, it says year by year, she went up to the house of the Lord and so sick that she couldn't eat. So sick about this stuff that she couldn't eat. She wept, she cried. She's such a relatable person to us, right? At least for me anyway, she's, she's just such a relatable person. She's got pain that she's going through. She's got a hardship that she's going through. And you can just see, you can just read it and, and just feel for her. You can feel, wow, she's just, man. But Hannah perseveres through these hardships. She doesn't give up like her husband when, when life gets tough. How often is it when we get into hard situations that we just go, this is, I, you know, I'm not putting up with this. I don't need this. Uh, Anna could have done the same. I don't need this. I, you know, she's a jerk. I'm leaving. I'm gone. I'm going to go find something else. I don't need you. You, you know, you going to take a wife. I'm not good enough for you because I can't have kids. I'm tired of waiting on the Lord. I come up here every year and have the same hardships, the same pain. And it doesn't seem like God's helping. She didn't have any of that though. She didn't flee from her problems. She trusted in God. She didn't make things happen on her own. How often do we try to just make things happen on our own? How often do we look more like Elkanah in our walk and not Hannah, where we're trying to force things through. We're trying to go, this is what's gonna, this is what's gonna help instead of just waiting on the Lord. How often do we go through hardships and find ourselves becoming bitter, find ourselves becoming angry, mean, acting more like Peninnah than Hannah for no reason really other than that we're just tired of waiting. We become impatient. <clears throat> like what Galatians 6, 9 says, it says, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Yeah, what a powerful verse. Because in, as Hannah's doing good, as Hannah's going through and trying her hardest to trust in the Lord as she's just been dealt a bad situation. There's moments where the enemy, the enemy uses those as footholds to get in to your life and, and just make you doubt, make you wonder, make you bitter, make you want to flee from your problems. And here's what we can learn from Hannah's that perseverance pay, pays off for her. We're going to see that. Perseverance paid off for her when she had all these issues and, and she stayed. We run into turbulence in areas and we are, I don't care what you guys say. You, you guys have problems. It's fine if you don't want to tell me. We got issues. We have hardships, man. We're, we're Hannah's. 
But when we're going through these tough times, we can try to put things in our own hands. But outside of God's will and timing, uh, that's not going to work. Hannah acted in God's will and in God's timing. She didn't know what that looked like. She didn't know how long she was going to have to wait. She didn't know anything. But she didn't, you know, at least in our text, we don't see her get angry. Certainly didn't leave her husband um, as he's being a knucklehead. Even as he says things like, am I not better to you than 10 sons? Like that's going to make her feel so much better about this. I just, I try to imagine walking up to my wife going, what? Am I not, am I not good enough just to take all of your problems away? Yikes. Okay. But we all go through these trials and hardships. And the first thing we can learn from Hannah is that when, when we do, we need to trust in the Lord. A simple message, but one that we often forget when we get into these situations. We just need to stop and take a breath and go, all right, Lord, I, I know you've got me. What do you, you know, let's talk. And we're going to see next that that's what Hannah does is she talks to the Lord. Uh, number two is prayer. Verse nine says, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest was sitting by the seat by the doorstep, by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and do not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall ever come upon his head. That no razor ever coming upon his head part is just a, that was one thing that that was her commitment saying, I'm serious about this because that was something that uh, if you were committing your life to Christ to be a priest that, that you didn't cut your hair. So that was her way of just saying, look, I promise I won't even cut his hair. Just being super real and raw with the Lord in this prayer. I love it. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Amen. Underline that one in your Bibles. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I've spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate 
and her face was no longer sad. I also underlined that in my Bible. Her face was no longer sad. At this point in time, Hannah doesn't know the outcome of her prayer. Hannah prays, says she went in, uh, says she went in bitter. She was in bitterness of soul. And she just, man, she, she prays such a beautiful prayer. Just puts it, all, puts it all out there for God and says, God, I've got problems. I need you to deal with these problems. But then at the end of the, her prayer, even after being accused of uh, being drunk in a tabernacle, um, she left and, and says her face was no longer sad. Yeah, and, and what just the power of prayer, not even answered prayer, but just the power of prayer. Hannah goes off to pray. And apparently the prayer is so powerful that the temple priest thinks she's drunk. That's got a lot more to do with him, I think, than her. Um, we're going to find out later that Eli's going through his own stuff. Uh, but that's got to be a pretty powerful prayer for somebody to think that you're, you're drinking. Um, this is a prayer, though, that's born out of sorrow and suffering. How hard is it sometimes to, to pray to God when you're in pain? When you're experiencing something that you go, why am I experiencing this in the first place? I think our flesh and our nature instantly wants to blame God for things and go, why am I experiencing this in the first place, God? Things we don't know the answer to. And so it's hard to get into that place when we're hurting, when we're in pain to just go, God, I'm hurting and I'm in pain and I, I need you. But what a beautiful thing it is when we can pray open and honestly to God in situations where it goes, God, I don't know why I'm dealing through with this. I don't know why I'm going through this right now. And just pray open. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to pray open and honestly with him. He wants to know. He knows, but he wants us to reach out to him. He wants us to cry out to him. He's the Lord that wants to hear from you. And again, we look at Anna, who's no longer sad. She knows, she knows that about God. She knows that God is a God that answers prayers. She knows that she's a God that she can reach out to and talk to. And when you combine that with the faith that she had for God, with the trust that she had in God, you can give your prayers to God and you should walk away smiling and going, I'm leaving this in God's hand. He's heard my prayer and our God is a faithful God and I'm putting this in, in your hands, God. I'm willing this to you because I want what you want. Her prayer was one that involved submission and sacrifice. God, I serve you. And if it's your will, Give me a child and I'll give him back to you. That's all I want, God. I just want a child. God, he can be yours. God, I just want to bear a child for my husband. I just want to bear a child so, so I can be a mother. And I'll give him back to you as long as you need. What a sacrifice. 
God's plan is so much bigger than ours. We don't always see the, often we don't see the big picture. Sometimes we never see the big picture. But God's plan's bigger than yours. Hannah had no idea what God's plans were for this child. Samuel ends up being a pretty big deal. Uh, Spoiler alert, she's going to give birth to Samuel, who's named after this book, who goes on and does great things. Hannah had no idea what was about to happen. Hannah had no idea that God was about to use this prayer, her vow, in such a mighty way. And look back in your life. Do you have a moment like that? Do you have a hand? I feel like everybody's got a moment where they've had a hand. I know for me, that's, uh, man, and probably for me too, it's because I have so many similarities. My wife and I have so many similarities to this where we did experience a miscarriage. And we, and we did. We spent two years kind of acting like Elkanah going, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do about this. We'll figure it out. And it was two painful years where we just felt like we were on our own. And you know what it took? It took us going to the Lord. It took us going to a place where we could go, okay, Lord, I'm done doing this on my own. I don't know how to do this on my own. We're, we're in pain. We want kids. We want to be parents, God. And God, whatever that looks like for you, make it happen. We had no, you guys know, I, our kids are adopted. We just adopted them last year. This was a seven-year thing that God did to, to get us from this place where we laid, our, laid down and went, God, we're going to trust you. We didn't plan on being foster parents. And at times it about killed us <laughs> to be foster parents, man. It's crazy. Uh, shout out to the foster parents out there. Um, but it took us going, God, whatever your plans for us, I, I don't know. But we're just done. We're done running from you. We're done feeling like you're not involved in this game plan anymore. And God made it really clear, really fast, guys. That, and it, it doesn't always happen this way, but uh, God put on our hearts so fast that you need to you, you need to adopt. I don't want you to have kids. I want you to adopt. And it was like I think it was less than eight months later after Mariah and I really just committed to what God's plan was for us that that two little kids showed up on our doorstep. And, and we became parents overnight to a two-year-old and a, a nine-month-old. But that's the power of God's plan. The power of God's plan to just say, well, you want a kid? Here's two. The power of God's plan to say, you're going to give the, <laughs> I'm kind of getting ahead of my story here, but, or ahead of our scripture here, but, um, you know, I, we were asked to give those kids back. We're foster care for you. We fostered them for nine months and or uh, seventeen months, sorry, and uh, and and had to give them back. 
but just the pain and, and the obedience to keep going after God, after, after that, Ryan and I were both ready to just go, that's, we don't want to go through that again. What a heartbreak that was to raise these kids for 17 months and then just say, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll never see them again. I can really relate to what Hannah's vowing here because it's, it's, it's a lot of the same vow that a foster parent gives of just saying, you give me kids and I'll give them back to you. <clears throat> and in the, in the end, we were obedient. And God said, well, you want two kids? I'll give you four. And here we are. <laughs> and that kind of gets me to my next, I'm going to finish this point, but our next point's obedience. But uh, prayer is such a powerful thing. Prayer is such a powerful thing. And Hannah shows that we can regain the joy of fellowship in the house of the Lord again by pouring our hearts out to God. By being real and honest and open with God about your problems. By being faithful to, to, whatever, to whatever the Lord's got for you. But again, man, I, I just, I love just the end of 18 where it says her face was no longer sad. And our prayers should just put us at that peace. Our prayers combined with our faithfulness should just put us in a place where we're just, we're just happy knowing. We're just confident knowing. You guys, it wasn't that long ago, First John 5 talked about this. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in them, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we will have the petitions that we have asked of him according to his will. Got to line up with his will. Number three is obedience. We're going to keep going. Verse 19 here. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him uh, from the Lord. Again, Hannah didn't know what God had planned for her. In this case, God answers Hannah's prayer. But all Hannah knew is she needs to bring her problems to God and pray. And that was good enough for Hannah. But to her surprise, look at this. She gets her son. She gets Samuel. In, God's story, in Hannah's story, God answers Hannah's prayer by giving her the ability to bear a son named Samuel. And I like that it says the Lord remembered her. The Lord remembers us. God hears and answers our prayers. And sometimes those prayers happen in unexpected ways. I just told my story about how that happened in an unexpected way. But we need to be ready for when the answer is no. The answer to God's prayer is no, but we need to have that trust in, in, in that 
God, I trust you. Okay, God, if it's not going to happen, I know that you've got something planned. I know that your plan's bigger than mine. We pray according to God's will. We're open. We're honest. But that faith should also just make us go, when God goes, hey, I'm not going to give you what you want. Or it's going to look different. Maybe you got to just keep an eye open. I know often I pray for something. I started writing my prayers down because I pray for things and I find, you know, sometimes two or three years later, it goes, I'll look back on something in my life and go, oh yeah, God like did answer that prayer. Just, I didn't even like notice. You guys ever have moments like that? You guys ever just, God works in such weird ways sometimes, uh, you know, and good, good ways, but but we gotta be ready when God says no or, or God says not yet. The other part of this is God's timing. Often we don't wanna wait on God's timing. You're impatient people. But again, sometimes you pray for something and God just says, I'm not ready to give you that yet. Or you need to, there's a season coming for you and it's not lining up with, with my will right now. I like how Hannah named her son asked of God. Samuel means asked of God. What a blessing it is when God answers our prayers. But now we're going to see what happens. Hannah made a vow. Verse 21. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. And there's just another example of Elkanah being kind of a godly man who's, man, that, what, a, what a word. Let only the Lord establish his word. And, and saying, I'm on board with your plan, Hannah. I imagine Elk, probably a surprise to Elkanah when Hannah has a baby and goes, oh, by the way, I, you're not going to ever be with him after like he's weaned. Elkanah could have gone straight back to putting things into his hands and, and going, no, that's not going to happen. You know, this is my child that you bore and he's not going to go. But we see Elkanah kind of getting with the program here. That's good to see. Elkanah going, okay, I'm going to trust the Lord. He was good. He blessed my wife that I love. He blessed Hannah. And I'm on board with this plan. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him with her with three bowls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child, I prayed. 
and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. Amen. What an awesome, just Hannah's obedient. Hannah's obedience. Didn't for a second think to just, okay, I've got what I want. I'm going to run. No, I know, God, I know I said this, and I know you've been so faithful to me. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disobey you now. I'm going to run the other way. Um, and not only is Hannah obedient and honors this promise she makes to God, but she worships the Lord in the end. As she takes him to the tabernacle with these offerings uh, and goes, hey, Eli, remember me? My prayers have been answered. Remember when you called me a drunk? He didn't say that to her. Good for her. <laughs> but what an example of obedience that we have here in Hannah who again gets into a situation and we're going to see uh, next week. Uh, Hannah's so blessed by this. Hannah's so blessed by being obedient to the Lord. That's the same as us. We are blessed. We are rewarded when we're obedient to the Lord, when we're obedient to God in ways that we don't even understand sometimes. Sometimes we do. Sometimes the Lord just blesses our socks off when we're obedient. But we're going to see, uh, this isn't the only child Hannah's going to have. And what a blessing. I'm going to give, God, I'm going to give you my child. I make this promise to you. And God just says, well done, Hannah. Thank you for being obedient. I'm just, like, just like my story. Oh, you want a kid? Here's three. You're going to be obedient. I'm going to bless you. That's our God. The God that's obedient. When we follow him, when we walk with him, when we're obedient to him. Samuel, we're going to find out. It's just, this story is so cool because it lines up so, it's, it's so cool how it's, it's, it's the story of Jesus in the Old Testament. We're going to find that a lot in the Old Testament. God uses a woman to give birth to this man who's going to change, who's going to change things. Obviously, Jesus does it better, but so cool. So cool to just see the beginning. And really, that's the theme of 1 Samuel. First and 2 Samuel as we go through this. This is just a kind of a mini version of the whole book of First and Second Samuel. This idea that when we're obedient, when we're walking in the ways of God, we're so blessed by it. We're so blessed when we can just get in line with what God has for us. And when we're knuckleheads, sometimes uh, we get knucklehead stuff. So, so excited to see what God's going to do through 1 Samuel. Um, I just, man, so awesome. If you guys are, if you're here this morning and, and, and you're struggling and you're hurt, you have pain, guilt, loneliness, maybe you're struggling with uh, 
the same thing Hannah's struggling with. Maybe it's different. I want to make sure you guys are being prayed for. I want to make sure you guys are asking for prayer. I want to make sure our church is walking alongside you. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up now. If you're sitting here fighting your battles alone, if you haven't asked God for help, do it. I don't care if you're with the prayer team or not, but we'd love to pray with you, pray for you. You don't have to do these things alone. God wants you to reach out. God wants you to ask for help. I, I, are you asking God to answer your prayers uh, that glorify him? Maybe you're struggling with a decision, <laughs> with an unanswered prayer, with God saying no. Maybe you're struggling with just taking things into your own hands and going, God, I can't wait on you. I gotta, I gotta make something happen. Let's trust in the Lord. Let's use Hannah as our example. Persevere in our trials and tribulations. Pray our souls out, pray our hearts out and be obedient to him. Walk in his will.